podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Martin Ramsey and welcome to Dominant, part two of our four-part series on 92-93, The Impossible Dream. I'm joined this week by Andy McGowan and John Cowden. How are we, Andy? Very good, Martin. Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure. And John? Oh, delighted to be here. And for any listeners, just put this one in repeat ad nauseum because I don't think it gets any better than this. Yeah, it, it might not, you know. Um, we have been doing, oh, I can't think of the top of my head, maybe 24, 25 episodes, maybe more than that. And this, is, as you you rightly pointed out before we, we went on air, John, the, the, the first show we've done where there's no defeat, there's not even a hint of a draw. It is win, win, win all the way um, from, from start to finish. And the sense of, of something special uh, really happening. Let's get cracked into it then, guys. And in Europe, um, John, uh, sorry, David and, and Alan last week, had, we talked about the draw being made and, and, and Lingby being who we, we, we obviously were paired with. Uh, they'd lost a couple of players uh, after the European Championships because that, that incredible success from um, Denmark. But they still were, there was still a, a, some kind of sense of trepidation. Rangers should win, but as you've mentioned before, John, Rangers should have beaten Sparta Prague. Um, we, we had not got off you know, uh, uh, quick and running uh, in, in these uh, European campaigns for for some time. Um, before we, we talk about the game, any any nerves, any trepidation, any doubts in the back of your mind about Lingby's visit to Ivo's? John Foster, Andy? None. <laughs> Den- Denmark is still... I know they won the thing, but most of their best players either were playing abroad or have been poached to go abroad. And... We generally have a good record against Danish teams in a way that we don't against Czech teams. So, and the way this team's going, it's not like a year before. I mean, you know, when they come, we're just beginning to click through the gears, i.e. after the Aberdeen game. It doesn't, there are a lot, 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 lot worse things. And Denmark, when we've played, I think, it doesn't fill me with any fear whatsoever, uh, which is unusual. I mean, there, there are probably it's one of the few draws in this whole thing where you go um, and, and not be scared of it. I, I'm not saying we play brilliant either leg, <laughs> particularly the first leg. Um, but no, I had no, I had no doubts that we would get through, but. I didn't doubt whether we'd get through the, the one after it without knowing who the one after it was going to be. <laughs> and any any reservation? Because again, on paper, it shouldn't be a problem. But as I said, you know, Rangers have not troubled the later rounds of, of European competition since Stoyer. Uh, any reservations will be classed under that, your, your favourite phrase, Martin, scar tissue, yeah, yeah. based on previous years. But as John's saying there, we were starting to look a very strong team, efficient but ruthless. And as, as draws went, they're, they're, you know, we were expecting to go through there. So I, I, I can't remember there being any major 
trepidation whatsoever. We were, we were starting to believe in ourselves as a, as a team and as a support. Well, it's funny football, isn't it? I mean, we talk about sliding doors moments all the time and we, we know what this season is going to give us. We know how it's going to develop, how it's going to unravel. Um, but there were some early scares in that game. Away goals, of course, um, what it had done for us against Prague. Uh, Henrik Larsson, not that one, uh, who'd scored, I think, three goals for, for Denmark at the European Championship, including both in their semi-final. Um, he'd clipped this brilliant ball from the left-hand side, found Jan Jurgensen unmarked in the box, golden opportunity to put Lingby in front, grab that away goal, and he kind of froze, really, uh, like a very timid effort. Um, straight at, at, at Gorham, he'd already had to save, um, low down from a, a Morton Vicos effort. Yes, that one. Um, and then had uh, one cleared off the line as well, by which point, however, Rangers were ahead. Mark Cately had kind of stuck his head where many wouldn't, um, a very brave low header, and was involved in the second half with Peter Hustra to, to give a wee bit more comfort as Rangers... And the second half performance, I think, kind of deserving of that 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 two 0 win. Um, it was going to be something special to to knock us out, and yeah, uh, that didn't happen. One nil, a very late uh, goal to seal it in Denmark. Ian Durant running off and a kind of counter attack, uh, composed finish. We'll see a bit of that in, in the next coming years. And John, your confidence was uh, verified in the end. Yeah, the other thing which made me confident or gave me a better reassurance was playing the home leg first, mm. which generally I prefer to do unless it's in the semi-finals of European competitions <laughs> because we don't get the away goals. And the way that the Tims don't get pragmatism or goalkeepers saving shots, away goals are like our nemesis and second legs, we mm. Put it this way, that boy would have scored in the foot early on yeah. if that had been the second leg. I mean, just like Bucharest, um, Red Star, I mean, it just happens. You know, we, we, we don't do away goals, we don't understand them <laughs> in any shape or form. But there is a different dynamic. There's less stress from the crowd as well when we're not chasing. I don't think when we're chasing the result, Dybrook's crowd is the best generally in Europe and I'm talking over a period 20, 30, 40 years. So yeah, it's it's pretty um it's pretty straightforward. And actually the second leg, you are looking and thinking, we don't really do this. You know, a real comfortable clean sheet, break away in the last, what is it, five, ten, fifteen minutes, yeah. a, a wonderful goal. And there's just no stress at all. And we're never under threat. And you're looking at that and thinking. But then again, you're also looking. Because I think the second round draw is seeded. And who we end up with is a team that we should never have been allowed to end up with because neither of us were seeded teams. Mm. No, it was serene in the end. And not as serene as one Rangers supporters bus because they were stopped with £250,000 worth of cannabis uh, on the way home <laughs> and they were, they were detained in, in, in Denmark for quite a while, it was a bit of a, bit of a carry on. Um, we'll come back to Europe uh, in a moment Andy but we need to talk about the, the, the domestic form uh, We the last show talked about this really sluggish poor start actually 
uh, chaotic at Dens Park, and then Everton's kicked into life for the second half um, against Aberdeen. Eight league games during September and October, Rangers scored four or more goals in six of them. Four of those games being away from home. 4-1 win at Motherwell, Partick Thistle and a 5-1 win at St. Johnson. St. Johnson's been a, a ground that's we didn't lose, but it had really troubled. There's a few points dropped there over the uh, the last couple of years, and of course, you know, Kuznetsov and Aggie Moffat and all that. Um, and at Tanadice, September weekend, uh, Goff and Gary S. Goff. Uh, yeah, uh, Richard Goff's out with a groin strain. Um, Ali McCoist is given the captain's armband. Uh, another childhood dream, one of many he would uh, realise this season. Uh, I went to this game, Andy, I don't know if you did, as my first trip to Tanadise. Uh, you know, Richard Goff, uh, sorry, Terry Butcher and Gary Stevens had uh, come a cropper there in, in recent seasons with some drop points. It was it was a tense place to go. Um, if we did win, it was by the odd goal. And, you know, I quite nervy. Um, going to this this new ground uh, for me, um, one of the big away games, I guess, in the Scottish calendar, uh, up there with the, the, the two Edinburgh um, games and uh, Parkhead and Pitodry. And Rangers were just incredible. Um, Hustra got two, um, Trevor Stephen got one, and of course, McCoyce would get one as well. By October, he had 28 goals. Um this was maybe, apart from that, that second half at home to Aberdeen, Andy, uh, this was something else to add on to a feeling of, whoa, that this this could be something special this year. Yeah, this one was an eyebrow raiser because, as you say, the season's passed. They were United, they were a fading power, but they were still very much, um, it was a hard ground to go to and, and anything you came away with was, was hard earned. So, to go up there and Basically dismantling because we were really comprehensive that day and scored some great goals. Was it was just another? I mentioned earlier on about taking the, the the team and the support were starting to get a bit of belief, and this kind of underlined that kind of movement towards you know we are a good team here. Moving something going, something's coming together here. That alchemy was happening. Um, some great goals, but you spoke about that period there where they played eight games over a, a quite a tight period. Some of the goals you scored are actually fantastically worked goals. When you yeah. watch them back, you, you actually think these are good goals. You know the 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 reemergence of Durant was was kind of pivotal in the way we were playing. You also had cameos from Mikhailachenko and stuff like that, and Hustra was, was was in form as well. So you had a lot of football in the team, a lot of interchange. But then you had guys like I mean John Brown. When you watch the clips, him coming forward, you know with his um, instinct as a former attacking midfielder was still there, so you had a really, really I'm going to say an entertaining team, but when we think back on this team, I don't know if we quite class them as that, we think they're more efficient and functional with some ruthless goal scorers, but those, those eight games set us up for the season because, you know, we were really dismantling teams. Yeah, well that's an interesting point, Andy, because it's not known as an entertaining season weirdly uh, it's, it's, it's the greatest of all time but the key games I guess we're going to cover two tonight and there'll be more in the next couple of weeks were tense both domestic cup finals were tense I guess you could say the, the kind of league not league decider but, but certainly the most pivotal league game in, uh, which will come in February 
was very tense. Trips to Parkhead were, you know, the kind of scrappy stuff. You get a go and you wait for Gorham to, to, to just keep things out. Those are the one. Those are the headline grabbers, John. But underneath all of that, were games like this, were goals like these, and the because of the the season, there's so much proper action, proper contests, proper football and drama packed into it. Games like this are the kind of things you get in uh, you know end of season videos that are just under under uh, you've just got music underplaying. Because it's you know we just get through the goals and, and go into something something else, and I think we underrate parts of of this season and we under underplay some games that would would stand out in any other season. I guess. Yeah, I think you. I would say you're being harsh. This was this whole ninety two and then into ninety three is just such a glorious time to watch and. And you generally are handing out quite a number of hammerings, as as we would hope we would do, but rarely did, against the smaller teams. And winning in what you would call the high-tension ones, in sometimes quite unbelievable fashion. And therefore, I enjoyed it like, like you would enjoy a roller coaster. You know, be, be, but you know in your heart, by and large, for long periods, that we're not gonna we're not gonna come off this roller coaster, or whatever. We do. I mean, the goals are lovely to watch. The interplay, you know, you've got this. This is Durant's coming back. Mikhail Lachenko's popping up. You've seen Brown coming forward. You know, Ferson suddenly is. Doesn't look like a right back, but he's coming up, and and everybody fancies it. I mean, Goff scores quite a stunning goal against Thistle. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hately scores for the halfway line against Thistle. There's all sorts going on, and after he must have listened after the character assassination by you and Super Ali, he suddenly decides he's going to show you and score score fifteen goals in eight league yeah. games. Um, <laughs> but I've got some. Seasons of parts of the season in the seventies, which are very similar to this, and enjoying it, and you just know, or I had this feeling of familiarity as we began to hit certain points of nineteen ninety-two, not in Europe, but in other ones of just buckle up and enjoy the ride, because when it first happens, and it's not often that happens, you, you don't enjoy it as much as you should because. You don't actually believe it's happened. Mm. Whereas, I th- actually, uh, it was almost twenty years since I'd first been through this roller coaster where we took off, and I really just decided this isn't going to last forever. But as long as it lasts, mm. oh, forget it. I'm just, you know, I'm buying into it big time. Um, nothing is going to take away from the sheer pleasure. Everything is perfect to this. Point yeah. time, Martin. And everything is perfect. I, I know, and that, that's why. I mean, I, I don't want to get into the, the kind of uh, poetry of metaphors, but um, the, I'm not sure the roller coaster is is apt here. We're recording in July 2022, right? If anyone's listened to this years later, the season that's just gone past was a roller coaster season, genuine ups and genuine downs, and almost in the same week. There are no downs here, <laughs> and there was just, there's this kind of feeling of just 
it, it's, it's like being in a fast car as a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, 12-year-old boy as I was. I remember my first season as a season ticket holder, first season going to just about every game. And that this was something new for me as well. I'd been to a couple of away games a season or whatever. Now you're going every week. And it's just, you're just picking up speed. And where where can we go? Where, where, where's the limit? And it's it's... It was it was that sense that the horizon was just expanding, not just here, because here we're talking about the, the treble word, which had been discussed in the summer. Um, now that the Scottish Cup jinx had had gone, and that really was if if we hadn't won the treble that season, it would have been a disappointment. Even if we won the league, and then, well, you know, we have kind of get through this this first test in Europe. What you know, what's next and. It was just a high. It was a high speed car chase, um, and it was just exhilarating from pretty much that second half against Aberdeen on. This McCoy's thing, and the, the, the I mean, as I said, by the end of October, twenty eight goals all competitions, um, four nil against Falkirk. That was his uh, fourth hat trick of the season. Um, <sighs> It underlines, Andy, this thing that, that we'd mentioned. We mentioned that we've been in the live show, but we'd mentioned uh, last week as well that the, 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 the despondency, the relative despondency around the rest of Scottish football. You're in September, October already. It's done. It is done. <laughs> the, this team are far, far too good. Um, Scotland, they don't even have the international kind of pick me up that, that Sweden had temporarily given because qualification for USA 94 is not going well. It's not going well. Um, this is just a, a sense of flatness all around, and it really just is all about the Rangers. Relative to the rest of Scottish football, we are an absolute powerhouse. Um, relative to the rest of the UK, we are up there with the very best and the very top clubs in the country in every aspect. Despite the kind of premiership that started, but so we are, we are the only show in town. We are the headline makers, and nothing looks like changing anytime soon. And I think that's where the flatness and despondency yeah. came in, Martin, because there was nothing in the horizon to suggest otherwise. No. You know, there was no uh, research from Celtic uh, happening anytime soon. I spoke of Dundee United being a fading power, so were Aberdeen, so the new firm is no longer mm. what it was just a matter of you know, six, seven years before. So Rangers were, were stripping away from the rest of Scottish football. The, you know, the advent of Champions League was on the horizon for us as well in earnest. And uh, this, is where, <laughs> this is where I remember the hubris really kicking in with us as a support. But um, it was all justified. This is yeah, the thing. Yeah. Um, we're talking about sweeping teams aside here, but we're sweeping the whole of Scottish football in every aspect aside. And during this this kind of a powerhouse league run, the only two scrappy-ish games where we weren't one in four and five um, were against the Edinburgh clubs uh, at home to Hearts. We won 2-0 and a, a fortunate 1-0 win um, against Hibs. Rangers weren't particularly good that day, uh, but we did win 1-0. Interesting that the 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 midweek after those those games we we had cup football first of all the uh, league cup semi final against St Johnson at Hamden three uh, one win McCoy's hat trick you'll be surprised to hear and 
the the Hebs game, that that that, that fortunate one 0 win I spoke of, perhaps minds were justified to be on something else, um, because we were in the European Cup second round um, that midweek, which of course would see the visit of Leeds United. Well, we didn't know that when the draw was made. Uh, I'm sure, well, that if you've still got your ticket, I still have mine, funnily enough. And it still says Rangers versus Leeds United or uh, VFB Stuttgart, um, because by the time they went to print, we, we we didn't know. John, this was this was a shambles by UEFA, really. Stuttgart, the, the Leeds-Stuttgart double hit, the, the, the two ties in that first round. Brilliant example of the old-style continental competition, continental contrast between British clubs and, 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 and European clubs. Um, Stuttgart blew Leeds aside in Germany. They had a spell of about 17 minutes. We scored three goals without reply. No away goal. You're, you're needing this Herculean effort at Ellen Road. And they gave it some. I mean, Leeds really did give it a good goal. Uh, they won 4-1. The German goal kind of punctured that. They had a late rally. Could have had a fifth that would have ended it, of course. But they, they went out in away goals until... We find out there's been um, some uh, administration issues uh, in the Stuttgart side, and they've, they've selected in their their, their squad for foreigners. Um, so they've broken the rules. They should have been eliminated. Um, let's just say the the relationship between UEFA and England isn't quite completely healed. We're only two seasons um, or so into uh, the the re-entry. Uh, so they fudged, and there was a compromise of a playoff. Um, shouldn't have been a playoff. The rules were broken. Were very clear. Leeds should have been through. They played on a Friday night in the New Camp, Barcelona, um, and, and Leeds, of course, won. And every Rangers player tuning in uh, knew who they wanted to face, and that that, that was Leeds. And they were a bit aggrieved. John uh, Richard Goff writes about this in his his, his autobiography that. A lot of success in the last few years, but wasn't getting enough media attention, or maybe media attention anymore. The media attention that the Soonest Revolution had originally kind of um, uh, engaged from down south had disappeared now that they were back into the fold, perhaps. And that respect had, had kind of uh, waned a wee bit. They were keen to put that right. Do you have any memories of that, that Friday night? And uh, did you have a... Um, a favourite choice in mind? Yeah, uh, I remember I was watching it around because we drew Stuttgart and then the, yeah. it came, we actually got Stuttgart and then it came. I wanted Leeds, not for, actually it was for Scotland, England, but not Scotland, England in the way, just because I knew it was likely to be less tactical and more of a game that we're used to. Leeds were far better, but you know, like I, like an old firm game or a real tough Aberdeen game, you know, those kind of games. But as German technical teams at this point in a two leg affair, yeah, I, I didn't think we were geared up to uh, actually getting into the six game thing, didn't hold as much trepidations as if you'd have drawn a half decent European team in a two leg affair because we, we, We'll, we'll prove it the next season. We don't do well in those kind of scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I mean, at this time as well, I'm based in Edinburgh, but um, living in Glasgow, but I'm travelling most weeks down to England, various parts. 
and we are even before the Leeds game we are starting to get a bit of respect and to a degree recognition again if we were it's probably this season I lived in England from 93 after onwards is the last time we are seriously given any kind of kudos consideration not just the sweaty socks but there is an admiration about us and some of our players and, and it's joyous um, as we'll go into the, the two games here which really put, put in the back it but we are getting talked about more than golf would allude to but it doesn't surprise me because he's up here whereas I was down south and there was disparage in the papers about your ordinary punter on the street your football mm-hmm. fan they did have it and they Genuinely, and I'm not saying this to wind up. They didn't really hate Lee. It was weird, one of these weird things. No, Hately was kind of like their dice, but they loved McCoy. They, I don't know if it was because McCoy turned up in big sky games like the cup semi final yeah. against Leeds. I don't know what it was, but they think McCoy is the real deal. And Hately is kind of well, Hately's uh, tired by Mexico. Uh, he gets dropped, Beardsley comes in. England power on and he never really recovered from that internationally and yeah. a lot of your, your English football and public took the lead from that and, yeah. and Graham, Graham Taylor wasn't particularly you know um, moved from that position either uh, I take your point about the punters John but I think what the Rangers team fancied was the media they they, they, they felt that, that that they just weren't getting that, that, that kind of respect and recognition and they wanted to put that right Um we Did we get the, it in Scottish press? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we had the absence of the, the traditional Scotland-England game for, what, um, three years now? Uh, so it gave the, the, the British press that, that great opportunity to get back into some old tropes um, and really crank up the hype machine for this this Battle of Britain thing. And of course, the the prize was that the, a place in this new uh, UEFA Champions League, this new group stage that would, would have you still playing European football at the end of April. Um, huge. Uh, and again, the English tabloids and most of the broadsheets hardly gave Rangers a puncher's chance um, against the, the English champions. But they should have been paying more attention. Um, they had won a title well um, last season and they had some good ball players: Gary Speed, Gary McAllister, of course, Gordon Strachan and now Eric Cantona. However, they had yet to win an away game all season. They were shipping huge goals, huge number of goals, a lot from set pieces, cross balls. Their goalkeeper and defence could not cope with this newfangled back pass. And certainly by the time the Ellen Road game came round, Leeds are in 13th place. They're not the the very... Um, I say dynamic. They knew their job. I mean, Howard Wilkins has set them up in a very specific way. Um, fuck, a weird long ball team given the kind of midfield you've got there. It was a, it was a quite a strange contrast that Leeds team. But they, they knew their roles and they, they, they were committed to those roles and they were, they were world the champions even though United kind of bottled it a wee bit at the end. Um, but this was not a team in form. And any cool, sober analysis of this tie looking at the two teams, who's scoring 100 goals? Who's conceding goals like there's no tomorrow? Um, cool observers would have, would have made this a, pretty much a formality for Rangers. We were not cool observers. Um, I was very nervous. I'm pretty sure we, we all were. Um, we were all there, weren't we? 
Yep. Yeah. Um, the UEFA had reduced the capacity a wee bit because of the, uh, I guess, what they deemed the, the capacity of the enclosures had to be a wee bit safer. Um, so tickets were like gold dust. No Leeds fans, of course, and no Rangers fans. That was a Rangers idea. Um, it was Rangers that suggested crowd disturbance is not going to be part of this story. Uh, Leeds went with it and the police said, okay, that would be nice, but sceptical about how, how it would work. Um, but, you know, um, I don't think they ever felt that no one would go. I think they always knew there'd be some intrepid explorers, and of course there were on both sides. A lot of swapping of tickets um, happened, but it, it, it kept it kept the big numbers down so it could be managed. Um, but a lot of people would have to make do with television unless you lived in Scotland for that first leg because it wasn't shown live up here. You had to have ITV borders or Ulster or whatever you could tune into. Um, for probably one of the last times, we kind of hinted at it last week about this this kind of nonsense. Three Scottish clubs in action that night, 21st of October. Um, Celtic were in Dortmund uh, to face Borussia and Hearts were playing standard Liège, both in UEFA Cup. Hearts refused ITV. It was Hearts that refused ITV to broadcast the game live because they were at home and they wanted to protect their gate. This is a quote from Wallace Mercer, um, dear old Wallace Mercer, um, presumably keeping a straight face when he said this. Uh, a number of neutrals have been buying tickets for our match and apart from anything else, we feel that it would be a betrayal of them if they were told later that there was a live showing of a rival game. How he quite captured that neutrality um, is, is unknown, um, but, you know, Rangers fans without a ticket would have to listen to the radio and then watch as live uh, later on. Did you know anyone in that that situation? No. <laughs> I can't say I don't think so. No. So everyone you know was at the game then. Um, well, everybody who went regularly, there might have been um, grandparents, uncles who'd stop, who couldn't go for whatever reason and were maybe listening to the radio and the highlights. But the guys who were going every week, Everybody was there. Uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. There were family members who didn't, but I wouldn't say they're part-timers, but they were occasionals. And if they'd got a ticket, would have said fantastic, but actually would have probably preferred to sit and watch it in the house. Yeah. But, 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 but what were used to it by then? I mean, this, is, this isn't how, a one-off. Yeah, but how this ironic... kind of thing. Yeah, but how, how ironic is it? We, we know what the Champions League's about to bring us. And it is the power of TV, power of TV markets, power of TV major countries, and their their t- television markets. How quaint that another club can tell ITV that they can't broadcast the game live. Um, we're on the precipice of something changing very, very quickly, and and just yeah, just changing the whole the whole face of it. Those who were there had this to watch. We must deal with the emotion of the night, said uh, Howard Wilkinson. He paid the penalty when we got slack in the last half hour of the game in that first match against Stuttgart. And that leaves it performed well. Strachan knocking it in. Fairclough had gone in there. And a brilliant start for Lees, Gary McAllister. Silencing the Ibrox crowd in the most effective way. Andy Gorham clutching for the ball and didn't really get a touch on it. Strachan's corner... McAllister's shot, the skipper's example, and a brilliant start for Leeds. Goffs at the uh, near post as well. It's up to Lukic. Oh, and he's fisted it into his own net. The goal's been given. 
miscued. And suddenly, out of nothing, Dorigo watching on the line, couldn't stop it going over the line. It's clearly there, but it's clearly an own goal. Stephen with the corner again. with a good header carried there by the goalkeeper but McCoyst finishing it off uh, right um, when we did the, the 50 greatest I was a wee bit surprised this made it at all um, it wasn't a great game it was understandably nervy and tense and uh, there was a lot of edge about it um, Big Haley missed a chance late on he wasn't fit um, I think that's probably fair to say that could have made it 3-1 but I don't think anybody left Ibrooks full of jubilation full that right, we've, we've done the biz because we hadn't, it wasn't out of sight by any measure of means um, so <laughs> the nerves just continued Andy I guess, uh, an incredible start uh, of course with that, that, that Gary McAllister goal and so important that Rangers responded and responded quickly because if it had been one nil at half time for example that tension spreads and perhaps the best we get that night's a draw it was it was relatively quick um, again from cross balls they just could not cope um, but it was it was noses in front instead of you know something that we we could have you know I don't know how many people slept soundly in their bed that night or maybe I'm just projecting my own experience here I don't know I think it was the, the reason it's been included in the top fifty games was um, the magnitude of it and the fact that it was part of a bigger story and, and it's getting through because uh, you know I can't remember a game capturing imagination like this probably since either. I've got no, to be the hype was huge, wasn't it? I, I, I was in I was still at school and I remember being in my chemistry class and I had a teacher, Mister Walker, and. I didn't even know he was a football fan. I didn't even know he was a Rangers fan, you know. And he, the class didn't happen because he's like, I've just drawn leads. Can't believe it. And rubbing his horns and all this kind of stuff. And like, I didn't know he was a Rangers supporter. <laughs> and it was it was just like, um, it was so out of the ordinary, Martin, to play Champions England um, at this level. Because if you think back, when, when else did it happen? You know, Dundee United played Man United in UEFA Cup once. Um, I can't I think Celtic nineteen seventy. Yeah. And there's no been much where you've had the top top of England and the top of Scotland pitted together for, for high stakes. And it's so, not great for Scot any Scotland England um confrontation in any European uh competition. It didn't make for great reading. Uh I think we get five victories in twenty two for Scottish clubs against um in, uh, English uh, opposition. So Maybe that fed into the narrative that you know Rangers are Rangers are there for a bit of a doing. Um, but the stuff they make, Saint and Greavesy, English school, uh, Scottish goalkeepers being yeah, ridiculed. Yeah, yeah. You know the total dismissal of Scottish football. Join your thoughts on the night, um, and 
just that that slender advantage better than than none and again that that comeback which is maybe demonstrating something that we didn't have against Bayern we didn't have against Red Star we didn't have against Prague uh, a huge blow um, to, to lose a goal that quickly and in that kind of fashion but Ibrox takes a breath for a second or two and it responds and the team responded to that and again a sign of something a wee bit more resilient now yeah I mean I went into this game thinking it was 50-50 the tie and I left thinking it was 50-50 at the end of it uh, I think it, it, it helps that we're playing an English team in Leeds I think if that had been a Bayern or a Red Star, I'm not, would the crowd have reacted quite so much because of the height? It was a bit like losing a goal against Celtic early mm. on. Mm. You know, there is a reaction from the crowd of defiance and everything else, which you wouldn't have got if it was a more neutral thing. But it, my recollection, I drove up from Sunderland. I was working to get to the game and drove back the next day to continue. And the second half of this game was nothing. It was like everybody was crowd, players on both sides was just absolutely knackered after yeah. the first half. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd went, and both teams had went like 2 1. Everything's to play for down yeah. there. They were quite happy they'd be goal. We were quite happy we'd come back and we're ahead. And it was like almost like, right, let's not kill ourselves. We'll see you in a fortnight. I, I'm not saying it did, but that's the way it felt because. So much energy was put out from fans, players, everybody in that first 45 minutes. I don't think there was much left in the second half. I, I might be wrong, but the second half I just thought was one of the flattest kind of fixtures you would have. Is my recollection. No, I, th- I, think, I think that's absolutely fair, apart from that Hately chance where he, he looks like he's going to just bust away from, I think it's Fairclough or White. Uh, as he, you know, he was, we were used to that especially yeah. in Celtic and he, he just didn't have the pace and he kind of get caught in the ball he, as I said he's Achilles thing that he, he he wasn't fully fit now this is a thing we will probably come back to <laughs> over over the, the we'll certainly come back to over the next few years of this this series but the next few weeks uh, of, of 92, 93 even <laughs> this was a bit of a rarity actually and this Rangers lineup. You've only got Gary Stevens missing through injury. Dave McPherson fills in there as he would for for most of that season because Stevens was injured early on. He comes back. He, he plays against Airdrie in the December. Terrible tackle, um, and that's that was him pretty much for the season. And let's be honest, probably yeah. for for the rest of his his time, sadly. Um, but it is walking wounded through so much of this season. I'm jumping ahead a wee bit, but just for a point of illustration. Um, when we go to Bruges in, in, in the March, Andy Gorham gets hammered in a collision by Daniel Amicacci, and he he's done his posterior knee lig- uh, ligament. Now, it's the one at the back, it can be taped up and you can get through it, but he can't train. He plays games from March onwards, but would not drop out the team. Players played through all sorts of injuries because the team spirit that was getting built up at that time meant you, you just couldn't let the Gorham talks about you know when you're injured something inside you screams you just can't let the club down to grit your teeth and keep going you find a way to cope. Um, 
I think it also helps that you're going for a European Cup and you don't want to let any other bastards of course, steal of that course. jersey. Of course it does. <laughs> so of course it's it does. not just for the cause, but I but, think there is a selfishness, which I fully understand of... And bonuses. And bonuses, <laughs> yeah. But but what, what Smith is able to do which I think we we under kind of uh, we underestimate in relative terms to the rest of Scottish football. He can rotate, he can give players rests, and this is brilliantly um, illustrated by the, the Sunday Mail. Um, uh, if you ever if you, can you remember? Because I can. Like if you, you picked up the Sunday Mail on the, 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 the obviously the Sunday day after most of the football was played. Um, you'd find a star ratings. Well, I did as a kid. Um, yeah. And at the end of a season, they would produce their team of the season based on a, an accumulation of these, uh, these these match ratings. Not averaged. Probably should have been averaged because in 92-93, the Sunday Mail's Scottish team of the season did not contain one single Rangers player. Now, when I, I, I read that, I thought, this is absolute nonsense. How could this possibly be? Um, media bias, blah, 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 blah. Now, there might have been something just undervaluing Rangers players because well, we're just so used to them being good, I suppose. And then you see, well, you know, John Collins, Paul McStay, Billy Dodds, these guys, they are playing over 50 games of the season. And you realise that you know, Richard Goss playing 39. McCoyce would obviously be out. Haley would be out from time to time. Um, and Smith could as the Europe starts to, to, to become a thing, rest players literally rest them in ways that the other managers simply didn't have the squad to do. And I don't think I'd really given enough credence to just how strong and, 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 and how much strength and depth we had, Andy, actually, at that time. Squad rotation, something you think of as a kind of newfangled, late 90s, Claudio Ranieri at Chelsea tinker man kind of thing um, but but we were and, and that, that, that team of the season thing is a, a perfect illustration of that Aye, it was, it's, it's not to you pointed out, Martin, I kind of realised that you're, you're right, there was a some by necessity, some by design, um, but you had a core there that, that were, were there invariably more than not, surprised to the Sunday meal thing right enough um, but we did have uh, I was going to say cameos, but it was more than cameos. You know, guys like Trevor Stephen didn't play as many games as he normally did. I, I go back to Mikhaila Chenko. He, he never became the central figure that we probably seen him as, but he was still fairly integral over the course of the season. And, um, you know, got off at a kind of torrid time with injuries, but he still had 40 games in the bag by the end of the season in all competitions. And in other yeah. seasons, he, he, I mean, there's no red zone in those days. <laughs> in other seasons, he simply wouldn't get anywhere near those, those numbers because he now the bill for this season is in the post Mm -hmm. in terms of how broken our team would be at the end of this mammoth effort Uh, but that was the the sense of excitement you couldn't miss or if it was it was just carefully managed out for one or two games just to kind of tie things over if Smith could do that Um, yeah Joe is it not helped by the fact the three foreigners which means that you can afford to play it's not like you're throwing in young boys in the Scottish game when you're rotating. You're actually throwing in players that uh, you can't use. Mid- and, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Europe, you, you know, though, uh, and they come in and do it. Where the pressure is is on Scottish players. You know, Goff, Gorham, McCoy, Charance managed, but Brown, McPherson, yeah. 
you know, all the ones, as you say, and it always happens when you have a season where everything, everybody's playing 40, 50, 60 games. Pretty much an accurate for the next season. And let's face it, most of our Scottish players have also played in the European Championships. Yeah. So they haven't really had a break. But no, you're quite right. I mean, it's that. I remember the Sunday meal things. Usually, um, who's the every goal? John Martin John would Martin, win it or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, Liam Brady, Willie Miller, they, they can't. They just don't have, have the, the, the resources to just, just sit this one out if it's key players. Um, which again, I think I just maybe it maybe undervalued just just how um, how we how we could manage that. Um, but yet still, you're still players going through uh, going through the pain barrier on a on a regular basis. Yeah, you're quite right. Uh, the, the famous um, English reaction. Um, well, we, they were pretty sure that 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 the, the tie was over, even though Leeds won. Um, John Sadler of the Sun. Uh, Said, yeah, you can write off Rangers. They, they had their chance at Ibrox. Um, Leeds United, Scottish Leeds United legends, Billy Bremner, Peter Lorimer, Eddie Gray, they were speculating just how many goals Leeds would win by um, at Ellen Road. And Ian St. John, my old friend Ian St. John, finished TV coverage from Ibrox by saying, well, let's hope for England's sake that Leeds do win. Um, yeah. The Rangers players were maybe the only group of 15, 16 in the, the whole country that were ab. Absolutely serene and and, and sure. Um, they they knew they weren't going down there to something that that was you know they're going to Eastern Europe. Um, they, they weren't going as you said, John, going to Stuttgart perhaps um, with with them having an away goal. And they knew tactically what they were going to get. There would be absolutely no surprises. This would feel like an old firm game. It would feel like a British game of football. And therefore, well, who's better at that than us, really? And in, uh, in the United Kingdom at this minute in time, no one. Uh, but yeah, we will come to that. Uh, David Lacey in the Guardian was probably the only one who said, "Well, it's probably not actually um, over." Uh, he was not. He was pretty dismissive of the of the Premier League and, and what it would what it would uh, actually provide. He was looking for a a British league for for Rangers' interest as much as anyone else. The domination of the Scottish league has become a ritual to the point where it may become enfeebling. Unlike Liverpool, Rangers have yet to reflect domestic omnipotence in their achievements abroad. A British league would arguably intensify competition and raise playing standards or at least allay their decline. And as time would tell, he may have had a point. All that leads excitement. Four days later, Andy Rangers are in a cup final against our old friends Aberdeen. Um... Smith was very proud of this, uh, that this victory. Um, let's hear a bit about it now. McCall plays it to McCall, to Durant, some lovely close play here by Rangers. What? Alex McCall, Stuart McCall, what a blunder in the Aberdeen defence. 15 minutes gone, Ian Durant coming through there. Well, once again, a great surging forward run being Durant. I think it's David Winnie comes off his foot. Theo Snelders could not handle that because of the pass back law. Sticks his leg out, Winnie comes back. Snelders' chest control lets him, lets him down. Calls to Stuart McCall. And no problem for him not into the back of the net. Well, I've seen uh, Ruth and Jess in action together before. And uh, they can be a formidable partnership. But this is Shearer. Oh, a terrific goal. Duncan Shearer. 62 minutes. Robertson's breaking in the left. 
Fires in the cross, Hitley's in there, and the ball's in the back of the net. Well, Robertson's cross went right across the defence and landed in the back of the net. Walter Smith is absolutely delighted. It's Rangers 2, Aberdeen 1. The Robertson cross comes in here, just off the top of Gary Smith's head, and in for an OG here. Good ball in, teasing cross. Oh, that was a tragedy for the Aberdeen defence. This was a win which underlined the determination of these players of mine, he said. Um, people say that, you know, it was strength, I think, and, and, and strength of will, I think, that, that got Rangers through that day, the first half. I thought we were um, superb. Um, probably should have been uh, ahead more than Aberdeen get into it. I think Smith said we're only really worried the last quarter of 90 minutes because Aberdeen equalised um, about 68 minutes, I think, that Duncan Shearer goal. Um but in extra time, it's Rangers that come to the fore. It's Rangers that, that, that are the stronger team. Um, it's a, an OG, but it was coming. Uh, and Rangers kind of toyed with it um, kind of near the end. Um, loads of fond Skull Cup memories, Skull Cup final memories against Aberdeen Andy. Uh, this was the last Skull Cup final, I think, um, under that, uh, that sponsorship. And fitting then, it should be Rangers Aberdeen. But they didn't really provide anything remotely like some of the, the, the previous incarnations. So, what was this, Martin? Four days after the Leagues game? Yeah. So, four day, it? so I mean, the emotional toll uh, can't be understated here because we spoke earlier about the magnitude of the Leagues game and how it was just one of the imagination sapping things. I mean, it's, it's the ones that you visualise in your mind what's going to happen for the week, for all two or three weeks before it. So, this cup final was a wee bit an afterthought because of it. Um, and I wouldn't say we were running an empty that with a total exaggeration, but there was there, there was a toll to be had by playing a game like that against such a good team, both physically and mentally. But I went back, I'll go back to the phrases I used at the start of this, this um, podcast, which was efficient and ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we dug it out, but I think probably looking back, and, I, and I'm only to be corrected here, I think we should have been more comfortable in the 2-1, it should never have went to extra time. We should have been ahead back by more in the first half, yeah. And, and the first half, as I recall, played really well, should have been more, and she does go, I think it was a loading diving herders, does that ring a bell? He, 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 he smash a low header in, but... No, he's, 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 he's actually one he swivels. He's, a great, he's actually a great goal, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, he's the goal, sorry. See... Your old mind's better than mine, John. Um, no, I watched it today. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Uh, maybe I should have. But I, I, I remember we dug it out, but we still fully deserved it. And um, it just added to that belief that I was saying earlier on was just building and building and building it. You know, we're becoming a winning machine here. There's, there's what's going to happen for us to actually drop something here? Jo- so, John, I, just a couple of things, John, on this. Um, Words from Alex McLeish before, just in the build-up to the game. Uh, people say that Rangers are stronger and better, but I know that we can always compete with them. On our day, I believe we can beat them. This sounds like a, a not a non-league team, but you know what I mean, like a lower league team going somewhere in the, the FA Cup, um, a real underdog. Not who, who would be our kind of closest rivals in all three domestic competitions I think again just underlines the, the, the status change that we've got there and also that, that first Rangers goal um, 
opportunistic finish by, by Stuart McCall, but it comes from a Theo Snelder's mistake because this back pass law is in and it is causing absolute mayhem. Um, you can see the panic on Snelder's face when he, he realises that pass back from Brian Irvin. He can't, you know, he can't pick it up, um, and it, it's still quite fresh. I've no idea why he didn't pick it up because I'm not convinced it's a pass back. He gets his foot in the way, and I'm not convinced the Scottish referee in a cup final would give us an indirect free kick, or indeed that we would be able to score from it. But he doesn't know. It's, it's, it's confusion, uh, it's chaos, yeah. If in doubt, you might as well take it. I mean, you, you might as well take the risk, but Schnelders was never a big risk taker. It was, from watching it and recollection, in some ways it's just like, here we are in 2022, it's like the Scottish Cup final against Hearts, where you, you're pretty caught, not confident. There is an air of inevitability about it without it being a stellar performance. Um with the game having been overshadowed by other other games prior to, and in this case, coming up. It's it's only a big deal, this cup final, in terms of A, we're in a cup final, and B, because we desperately want a treble. But the League Cup is like... Familiarity breeds contempt, doesn't it? But there is... You listen to McLeish, who's he trying to convince himself, himself. his own team? Himself, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe his own team. Uh, I, I, but he certainly it is somebody who is, you know, I could have been a contender. Mm. I just yeah. think it's so small. It's, it's you know, you know, honour day, you never know. That's, yeah. if we'd got to, if we'd, if we'd drawn St. Really if we got St. Johnson in the final, that that's the kind of, Kind of tone that you you'd be expecting, and I just I think it speaks again to this this kind of shift. Anyway, that's three trophies now back in the trophy room. All three domestic trophies. Hopefully, it would remain that way at the end of the season. Um, another league game just to pick up on uh, in between, because what we have here is an eighteen-day period um, of non-stop excitement, big games, and wins that I'm not sure I can remember being involved in since. We've had exciting periods of time. You know, as I said, 21-22 has had quite an exhausting um, and, and involved end to the, to, to the season. Um, but this was so, so exciting. The, the, the kind of lesser part of that was a home league game against Motherwell on, on Halloween. Smith rests uh, Durant and Haley Goff, Stephen... Um, and Rangers are a bit sluggish Mother will go ahead we get a fortunate penalty I think it's maybe fair to say McCoy scrambles one in but the second half is far more like it John Brown has a volley and Ali McCoy scores a fourth Rangers goal um, that is just stunning 10 pass move the final four of which were just one touch uh, and that was his fifth and final hat-trick of the season and for fans going home that day, that afternoon, it would have been a genuine contender for the Rangers' goal of the season. By the Wednesday night, it would be in third place. Hey, yards and that really could be a decisive moment. McAllister 
watched it for. Okay, Ellen Road. Um, Howard Wilkins is doing his, his stiff upper lip refusal to, to look at the facts. Uh, it's no secret we've been conceding goals this season. It's a problem, but we will certainly score against Rangers and we will win the tie. Um, Smith, so, so relaxed, happy to let his team do the talking. And Goff and his press conference, and remember that the hype is now up a few levels. Um he says, I think it looks as though we'll have to get a goal to go through, and I would love to see how they would handle it if we were to score very early as they did against uh, us at Ibrooks. And that would, of course, prove to be right. Um, that first goal, Andy, we're all at home, I presume, watching this. Uh, I can't really describe how nervous I was. Um, and then, you know, whatever Gary McAllister can do, Haley can do better. It is a wee bit role reversal, and it's Ian Durant that's the you know, the target man from Gorham's punt, the, the, the flick on, but what a left foot that guy had. Aye, it was, uh, I mean, I've always up at my pals, I was up in his, his bedroom and his wee, Christ knows what it was, 18 inch telly or something like that, and we watched it on Ulster TV, so it was the English commentary, I don't know if there was a Scottish version on STV, but the, the, the added sweetness to this one was what you were talking earlier on about the dismissal of Haley. In English press and in England in general, based out of you know you see Mexico, I don't know if it was quite that, but this goal was it was both a release and a joy at the same time because you know you're, John said earlier on, you know the game is still fifty fifty, very much in balance. You believed in Rangers, but you knew that despite Leeds turning to shit that far in the season, there was still a a, a teammate be. You know, they're going to be a difficult, difficult game against us and Cantona, McAllister. So, to get that goal so early, to go two goals up, plus kill, kill the away goal, oh man, it was just fantastic. But also the goal was, it was just like, I, I used the word powerhouse earlier on. Haley was a powerhouse that night because it let, even the way Lukic crumples into a, yeah. like a back-breaking heap, it was unstoppable. And it was so unexpected, and you just hear through the telly that the the air getting sucked to Ellen Road because they know they're out as soon as that goes in the net. It was just spectacular. It's one of the greatest moments as a Rangers fan because um, not only is it a fantastic goal, uh, it was just such an important goal, and and it changed the tie completely because we then knew, you know, we are so far in a driving seat here. We just need to see it out, but there's still what eighty eighty seven minutes to go, something like that. John, goals like that, they happen against Rangers in Europe, and they would again. Uh, they, they, you know, they had before. It, it's just such a statement moment of a, of a tie of that importance that it wasn't some kind of... Like the way the two goals at Ibrox were, for example. I mean, very scrappy goals. They all count, doesn't matter. But this was... It, it, not, it just took everything up a level. That not only are we now in the driving seat in terms of the, the, the tie, but... Our players can do things like that. Yeah. It, it's a stunning strike. But you have to say, after all the hype that's been going about, I'm probably saying Grease was one of the Scottish goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah. across, the, across the two legs, there's one keeper who, who has sold the jerseys and there's one who has performed magnificently. 
And it, for all it's a stunning strike, which it is, I don't think we'd be happy if any goalkeeper in a blue in a Rangers strip let that go in. I mean, he catches them and everything else. Keeper shouldn't let it go. It's a sensational strike, and he puts it in a really fantastic area, gives it all the chance. You certainly would expect, but then look at just punched the ball in at the and Ibrox. Uh, he's obviously got a touch of the Theo Schnellers about. Yeah, he's he's not in a great place, but um. Uh, no, no, but we are. I mean, it is the, the tie's done. I mean, you watch it again in that first half. Leeds have loads of chances, which emotionally I don't remember. I mean, that whole of the rest of the game was incredibly relaxing. I felt yeah, if I'm and it might be false memory because you're built. But I watch it again, some, and you're looking at all the least chances they had with Cantona and Gorham, and you never thought they were going to get back into it. I mean, it was disappointing. They scored late on with that consolation. But you never, I never thought they were going to get into it. It just looked like the, the tie was done. Yeah, that, there's maybe a, a bit of post-rationalisation there. It, they, there was an onslaught. I mean, Cantor had a chance even before the, the Haley goal. Yeah. That was early. Uh, it was just incessant. Leads to 21 efforts in goal. Um, Andy Gorham writes, No game will ever sum up the Goff-Brown partnership better than the second battle of Britain against Leeds United at Ellen Roads. They murdered us, and they had one chance after another, but Goff and Brown threw themselves in front of everything. They were immense. It was a great team display, but I don't think the result would have been achieved with any other central defensive combination. It had to be those two. They were inspirational. Andy Gorham was being kind there. Uh, the folk memory of this match, it's, it's bypassed John clearly, who had his feet up all the way through with the cigars out, um, was that it was a Rangers defensive masterclass with these, you know, that stunning strike, then a, a counter-attacking breakaway. It's Gorham. You could drive yes. a bus through Goff and Brown at various stages of that game. Gorham is just world-class. Probably his best night. Um, there might be some old firm... Um, uh, contributions to make to that particular argument, but it was ins- it was just sensational, um, and the best in Britain, possibly even the best uh, around at that 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 particular moment. Um, when Leeds didn't go aerially as they they tried quite often, there was a wee intricate move, of course, in that second half that broke down. John Brown breaks it down, and oh, John, there's something for all Hatley's, you know. Thunder bastard uh, and McAllister's in the first leg. There's something beautiful about a, a flowing counter-attack move where there's nothing just out of place. There's nothing disjointed. There's no bobbles or um, or breaks in play. And you know this was voted the fourth greatest goal in our, our poll in what 2018, whenever it was. Um, and it, it, it deservedly should be there because it's it, it's just an absolute thing of beauty. And we're in dreamland now. Um, you know, there's Leeds fans kind of clapping. Um, Brian, uh, Ron Atkinson's on co-coms with, with Brian Moore. He's just like, Brian, this is just sad. Rangers are just playing with Leeds now. Um, after that goal, it really was strutting about. Uh, on what an incredible night! Absolutely. Is I mean, we we show, I mean, we talked about Lingby. We've shown that we are capable of these goals, and this is us in the midst of what doubt have ever done it. Three away wins in Europe in a row, and this is mm. just this is what happens to us. Let's fit and we sit back and go, 
I'm sure they didn't score, but you know, a Red Star or a Bayern or someone, you know, just waltzes up the park. Because I know we're breaking at speed, but it, nobody looks as if they're blown out their backside. Everything is graceful. And it's, it's just this sweeping move, you know, the back flick from Geran, or is it Haley? Geran, Geran plays a man, knocks it across. Even McCoy's header isn't a Kiev sort of miss hit, give him the eyes and hits the, hits the wrong side. I mean, everything is just so perfect. And it's, yeah, I am super confident. I've been in England, I've been listening to them for a fortnight, some of them. And I remember my parting was as I drove up the road because I wasn't watching in England to this guy who'd been annoying me. And he said, bet money. I said, I'm not betting money. It's all about glory. But we're going to win 2-1 tonight. And I rarely make predictions on scores because it's jinxes it. And I remember, as soon as Haley put it in, I thought, well, this is it. You know, it's it's happened. And this goal is just, it's just fantastic. Dale Gordon almost killing McCoyster. Yeah, he never failed to, <laughs> fail to think, how's Ali survived that celebration? It's just incredible. He's, his legs haven't snapped in two. Um, Andy, you're... Yeah. Yeah, your, your recollections of the, 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 the goal and just that, that sense now of, God, this has been done, and it's been done in style. We, we haven't, uh, in terms of that goal, um, we've not scraped our way through. These are two goals of absolute brilliance. Um, you know, we as Rangers supporters, and we've just went through a fantastic European run as we record last season, I think we crave the external recognition more than we actually let on and I think sometimes you know getting kudos from beyond these shores means a lot more it is than being domestic glory but this for me was a pinnacle because if you wanted to go in and tell England how good you were these two goals could not have done it any better and apart from that goal going in and it killing the tie completely stone dead and you know you're through um, it was just a brilliant goal you know I've lost count of times I've watched it, and every time I watch it, you're like, "This is brilliant." And the way Haley just swings that monstrous cross across the park, and the wee dummy for Duran, and it's just a fantastic goal. Um, and then you get, you know, I mean, my memory might be playing tricks, but I'm pretty sure there's a Leeds fan behind the goal who starts clapping. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and it's, it's, there's a telepathy there though with McCoy and Haley. Haley doesn't even need to look. Uh, and it's just so. That's what I mean about a flow. Uh, it, it, it's all organic, and it's all just kind of joined up, uh, and that's why it's just such a stunning, stunning strike. Here's a wee bit uh, insight into eleven-year-old me. Um, I still hate watching games and television at the best of times, um, but I was not like you, John. I was just too nervous. It was there, you know. And at halftime, I went upstairs. I said, I can't watch this, can't watch it, too nervous. When we watched uh, Liverpool, they were playing Spartak Moscow. Now, it shows you how uh, much I hadn't quite got over the departure of Graham Souness because Spartak Moscow scored. I ran down to gleefully tell my dad that, that Liverpool were in trouble and Souness was in trouble just as John Brown takes that ball away and, and, and that, that, that move starts. Um, and then I, I could safely watch the rest of the game um, not having to you know, close my eyes or whatever um, there was a goal at the end, didn't matter really uh, although Gorham was um, furious um, and then Alex Ferguson was in 
celebrating the dressing room doesn't take uh, or doesn't need any encouragement to enjoy a, a Scottish win over English opposition, especially one of his rivals, and he would punish them, of course, a few weeks later by taking Cantona away, and the rest is very much history. Uh, the players went to Manchester. They they persuaded a nightclub owner to basically open all night where they could celebrate properly. They knew a few people who had made the trip. There's loads of brilliant stories, of course, of uh, people buying lead season tickets uh, whenever the, uh, the 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 draw was kind of confirmed, buying leads tops and scarfs and 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 and, and whatever else just to to, to get down. Um, and six in the morning. Rangers players and fans still enjoying themselves. Bodies everywhere. Stuart McCall says most collection bottles of champagne in their sleep. It was a bomb sight. Um, we were due to be up in a couple of hours, so I took a bottle of champagne and headed for the foyer to take it all in. Uh, Walter Smith arrived down for breakfast and admonished McCall immediately and others for still being on their session. There was a game in 48 hours, of course. I told him not to worry, said McCall. It was only Celtic. He turned, grinned and said, make sure you finish the champers then. This is an interesting part. I mean, the players are still sweating Stella by the time they get to to Parkhead on that that Saturday afternoon. John, um, we're into a territory kind of reminiscent of that. Talking about Ferguson going into to dressing rooms, where he you know famously going into the Manchester United dressing rooms. He said, "You know, lads, it's Tottenham." Um, going to Parkhead was kind of becoming a wee bit like this. Uh, not exactly. Ideal preparation, what we would call ideal preparation, normal preparation. Usually an old firm game would be the focus of the whole week. Um, but yet, they turned up, they got the kind of breakaway goal, and we sat on it. Gorham was exceptional, Collins and McStay, and Christ knows how many uh, efforts were, were, were peppering that goal. Um, and just this very routine scoreline and, and style was just kind of ground out. Um, and the end of a an exceptional 18 days. Yes, it's... There's a familiarity. What... Sounds weird, but... There was a period early on in Wallace's first thing where going to Parkhead, for me, never held any kind of fear. For six, seven games, we'd only lost one. And we're going here... There is a reassurance that... Nobody's thinking about normally, as you say, people one, two weeks before, any tickets, any tickets, because it's part of it. No, nobody's caring. They are an absolute irrelevance, which is, unfortunately, I don't think we've been there since, because in terms of Europe and where we are in Scottish football. This is where I want to be. I want them to be our party thistle, a minor irritation that you've got to go and put them in their place occasionally, but they aren't their big, your biggest games in the season. And and they aren't. I mean, we've played what? This is the fifth game in 18 games, and at best, it's the fourth out of fifth in terms of importance. Mm. The two cup, uh, cup final out of two. And it just. You're just in the middle of that zone. I mean, what are we? 15, 16, 17, 18 wins on the bounce, yeah. of which four in Europe, a cup final, banging in goals, everybody's delighted. And they are, they're losers. I mean, they, they've got Slater, they've got, I mean, they just look, they look, unfortunately, too, they look like a boys team, you know, between Slater and McStay. They're full of promising youngsters or kind of dinosaurs, like, is, um, did you have Galloway play or whatever? They just, 
and Collins. We, we have no we Collins is the only yeah. player you would say I'd really like to take him, put him in our team. McStay maybe, but but actually by this time McStay's burnt out. He's completely burnt out. Collins is the rest of them, you're looking at it, we've absolutely no respect for them. And it's based on facts. It's not because uh, we're not going to give that lot in. It's based on absolute fact. I think it's not this season, but it's the season or two after where Goff's lining up and he uh, McStay's a captain and he just looks at him and thinks, yeah. thinks, you've no chance, pal. This is really where it starts. You know, Javant scores. It's a lovely goal we score. Yeah. I mean, it is, again, out of this European playbook with break, you know, lovely inter-passing, knocking it about. If they'd have scored, I think we'd have went up the park and scored again. I don't think... I think we're playing within ourselves because, well, why waste energy? We've got six games in Europe to go. Bigger things. You know, bigger things to go. You know, we don't need to worry about this. And they are... And they know it. Their fans know it. And this is what's really going. And will get worse, particularly after the CSK Moscow game. They genuinely begin to believe we're going to win the European Cup more than us. They are, by the time Christmas comes, their letters to Santa Claus are, please don't let Rangers win the European Cup because their perspective and everything, they're not going to win anything. We are far and away, and they can accept that, that we're far and away the best team in Scotland. But we're actually knocking about in Europe now and looking the real deal. And it's... It is a frightening, it's a delightful prospect for us, but it's frightening for them, which made it even more delightful. Ah, it, was, it was just a great game. I mean, not a great game. It's a great, it's a great experience feeling. to yeah, go there. Yeah, it's yeah. a great feeling just to go and like, okay, you know, this, who are we playing? Oh, it's them, right, okay. We'll go with a bit of sing song. And it, most of the fans are hungover as well. If we'd have lost that game, it'd have been a pain, but actually... <laughs> It'd been one of the fluke results that you get, you know, almost up there with Dundee beating his 4 3. And this was the 7th of November. Rangers are six points ahead of Hearts and Aberdeen, eight points ahead of Celtic. Only twice since arrival soon has said that we've been ahead at the same stage of the season, and one of those was only in goal difference. This, you know, it is starting to be a, a, a different league again. Sorry to label this point, but. It, it's here that things have, have really, really shifted. And how often... It, it, funny to say that, that you know, an old firm game is, is kind of an, an irrelevance. Um, it's certainly in November, when, when things are still, still up, to, to, uh, up for grabs. Uh, but it, it kind of felt... Not an irrelevance, but, but a secondary consideration. It was... We just kind of take it for granted that we, we would do the bits. Aye, it was um, it was contempt, absolute contempt for Celtic, and the there was a a gnat flying around a bull's tail. We had to every now and again we had to swat them away. There were a bit of an annoyance amongst this um, excitement that we had for the new the new as the new pioneers in the Champions League. Now that to, to frame it as that is a bit of an exaggeration looking back because. It's still an old firm game. They they obviously raised their game. It was the biggest occasion in their season when they played us, and and there was obviously a lot of pride at stake for them, given that they were effectively in the doldrums. 
but we were still too good for them. And I mean, the, the, the game that you spoke earlier on when Durant scored um, at Parkhead, what was a really well worked goal, kind of epitomised it, and it was the age of rope-a-dope. We do just enough, we get ahead, and go on saves for the rest of the match, and they just can't beat us nine times out of ten. So, um, you know, you, I don't think there's any danger in, in labour in this point, Martin. We were so superior to the rest of Scottish football that the only people who could beat us domestically were, were ourselves. Um, no matter what was thrown away in terms of injury, mm. dates revised, you know, there was there was nothing really going to hurt us unless we totally took our eye off the ball or had a, a collapse of attitude and application. It was as simple as that, and I went for every single team, including Celtic. And now that the Rangers were in this this Champions League, um, and the profile was raised, profile of Walter Smith is raised as well outside of this country. Um, the assistant that, that stepped up when the, the kind of glamorous superstar had, had, had disappeared, and there's quite a lot of um, newspaper features, kind of focus pieces on him in, in November of 1992. There's an Italian TV documentary or TV crew that that, that kind of were doing a, a piece on him and followed uh, followed him about. This was the Friday before a trip to Tynecastle with Marseille um, coming on the Wednesday, and <laughs> they kind of watched in stunned, stunned amazement as uh, Smith, you know, walked with his his team outside of Ibrox, outside the main doors, up to Paisley Road West, down to a cafe outside Bellhouston Park, um, where they just eat bacon rolls and cups of tea, um, and then David Oz says, "Like, I think we're, we're kind of ready to go to training to get in the minibus to the West of Scotland cricket ground and knock it about for twenty minutes, and then get back." And and Smith says, look, we you, you you can't really train. Um, you know the games are coming thick and fast. You just need to kind of keep things ticking over. Um, and one thing he says that I think is really really interesting is that I'm now less of a coach than did. It's more about man management. Graham Soonis, Walter Smith can't tell Terry Butcher how to how to play football. You just need to provide a, a, a an enjoyable environment for them. But this is in an era now of the kind of auteur manager, and Saki had kind of started that, and also we get Wenger and Mourinho later. People who had no playing career of note, who absolutely would tell talented players, world-class players, what to do, what they wanted from them, very specifically, very obsessively. And and here's this guy, get a bacon roll down you, we'll, we'll go and knock it about for 20 minutes, you can all pretend to be super alley for a bit, um, and we'll we'll just get up and, you know, up to the hotel and we'll just we'll just keep things kind of ticking over. It's about just providing a framework for, for players to, to kind of feel happy um, and, and content at their work. And at this moment in time, John, no one was complaining because, you know, they, they, they were reveling in that, that, that freedom. No, we are. And actually, even now, I would say, as a manager and man of management, he's right. Where he was wrong, in hindsight, and with the dusk, is his backroom team should have been more a coaches. The way that he was a coach to Jim McLean, Jim McLean was mm, a coach it. above a coach. Yeah. He didn't have a foil. I mean, because Walter Smith, that's what you need. Walter Smith was a, it's a fantastic man manager. He learns tactics, you would argue, that goes on when he, you know, being away and coming back. The issue is, it's too many like him in the whole thing. David Dodds, Archie Knox, 
where is the technical guy that's you know working on you know what you do at corners how it plays where's the fitness coaches the medical and okay it wasn't quite at that level then but it was beginning to come through it wasn't as if it was complete rocket science and i think that's where smith if you if it falls down isn't in his man management it's probably in the team he has around him in terms of being able to get a more balanced team with skills and he's pretty good at this because i remember reading that he got a sports psychologist in at the beginning of this season and the psychologist asked the whole squad you think you can win the league cup everybody's hands up scottish cup hands up league hands up champions league not one hand went up and they got them to talk at the beginning of that season and work on it they had a sports psychologist i was trying to dig out the article i couldn't find it so he did have certain things. It was he got the goalkeeping coach uh, for Gorham. At Gorham's request. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't, well, they don't need that. He, I still don't understand why he didn't get someone to coach the players. You mean second pals then? Two or three. But he's only just recruited pals. I mean, he comes in with a blank canvas, doesn't he? I mean, mm. David Dodds, is he really there that much with Sunnis coaching? Archie yeah. Knox, he brings in. He has a blank canvas when he takes over the job. But he seems to suggest, not that him, but no one, the, the players can't do much in training. Because, uh, you know, we've got a 44 game season, plus all these games, plus internationals, a lot of internationals in that Rangers squad. Um, you know, we, we can't do much. Now, that, wouldn't have, that would not have been out of place, that, that whole day there, going to get your big roles. Oh, no, and then, absolutely. That would not have been out of place in British football. We're not, Wenger hasn't arrived yet and Absolutely. pretty much changed everything. But it would have been it would have been a joke in Milan. It would have been a joke in Marseille. Um and the the, the notion that you can't work on anything too specific for more than twenty minutes, uh well, it's something we'll revisit. Let's put it, put it that way and and and, and the, But he's already rotating that squad. I mean he's already doing there's certain yeah. other things he's doing in terms of squad rotating. It doesn't actually add up certainly because there's certain things like squad rotation, which must mean you should have a degree of coaching to say, right, who mm, plays in the yeah. left? When you play the left, this is what you do. If you're at right, this is what happens. You said, and and it works. So, I, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> when you're saying it, I'm not saying all oh, that never happened. You're saying absolutely that happened. But it doesn't add up with some of the th- other yeah. things that he's doing. It's fascinating. It, it's, it is fascinating. Think, right? Yeah, it's it's there's so so much contradiction. But as yeah. as the case with all of us uh, as human beings, um, listen, guys, thank you very much. Uh, an enjoyable episode. No no sorrow to report. But thank you, John. Oh no! Thanks for bumping us up in the rotation to take this one because this is. This is peak hubris and everything else you can throw at it. So, yeah. uh, and you'll be back for the tears in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks, Andy. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. These are the these are the days. These are the days. They were, and as uh, as I said, a, a, an eleven-year-old. I went to Parkhead for that uh, for the first time for a, for an old firm game on that seventh of November, uh, and I went in, on a bus and as traffic started to get congested near um, uh, the stadium, there was a car full of Celtic supporters in front of the bus um, one 
showed his appreciation of our colours uh, by by mooning the um, supporters bus. Three Rangers fans then removed £20 notes from the pockets and waved them in response. There was no comeback. Celtic and the rest of the league were now afterthoughts and also rans. As the draw for the first ever Champions League was made in Geneva on Friday the 6th of November, Rangers were looking to the stars. Until next week, bye for now. Podcast Network.